Good afternoon and welcome to Lunchtime Series with Kevin, where we add value to people's lives. Happening every Monday, Wednesday and Thursday at uh, 12 o'clock on ebizradio.com. You can catch the Lunchtime Series on all major podcast channels and uh, for our Lunchtime Marketing segment, proudly supported by Hollard Insurance. Hashtag big ads for small businesses. As per usual, joining uh, joining us is our marketing and communications expert, Craig Pagely. How are you doing, Craig? I'm well, Kevin. Yeah, thanks. Uh, here we go. Another week and uh, roll on to year end. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe it. Uh, we literally, we literally, like it's well, it's time for Christmas music, right? <laughs> well, interestingly, so, so about two weeks ago, I was in that amazing store that we like with a black and white color spectrum. No, no names mentioned. Um, and the Christmas gifting was out on the shelves already. And I thought, my goodness yeah. me, it was, it was one week into October. Yeah. And this also means that we, what, up to how many shows are we, have we, have we got so far? So yeah, so today's 41. Um, and then, you know, if I just open my calendar here, we'll be 42, 43, 44, five, six, seven, 48, 49, 50. We'll be 49 on the week of Christmas. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's quite something, you know. And, and you know, based on, on, on our um, time, whether we run through Christmas or not, we might need to do a pre-record or something so that we can at least take yeah. the week off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least. <laughs> Deserved, yeah. Craig, so before we start, what can we share with our listeners uh, as a takeaway from our last co- last week's conversation on robotics and the impact on the re- retail sector? Yeah, Kevin, thanks. Um, I, I must admit, I quite enjoyed last week's conversation um, because we know the the excitement that comes on the back of AI and segue into robotics. So it was really, really exciting to 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 get to see the reality of where developments are going. So. Um, yeah, let me let me take a look at at, at some of those key touch points just as a, an introduction to our listeners to get a sense of understanding of of really what what it is. And the key, the five key insights are from the article that I referenced, titled "Robots in Retail: Driving Innovation One Aisle at a Time." Um, the key takeaway is so the first point is that robots are becoming increasingly more prevalent across the entire retail value chain. So from logistics. Uh, supply chains, back office operations, store operations, across the merchandising, and definitely in the sales and marketing, right the way through to the customer-facing experience, robots and robotics are able to drive innovation and help boost top and bottom line outcomes for retailers. The second point is, is that robots are boosting productivity in the logistics and supply chain. So robots have, have impacted positively on these areas of operations through speed and accuracy of order picking. They also offer retailers the flexibility to move their sales personnel from, from the back-end environment into more front-end, high-sales-driven, high-profitability areas of the business as well. The third point is that robots bring intelligence to merchandising and store operations. So robots are migrated also from their back-of-house-warehouse-proven of, of capability to new roles on the retail floor, customer-facing retail uh, roles. Um, and then when embedding artificial intelligence in robots, that also allows the retailers to fundamentally improve the customer experience journey as, as robots are being pre-programmed, Kevin, to 
chat to the customers to answer their questions and actually give direction and, and, and movement throughout the store as well. The fourth point there relates to strategizing for enhanced customer experiences. And this includes the self-service robot system that we spoke about, particularly the likes of, of uh, Starbucks ad uh, adopting this. These, these robots enhance the customer experience with pre-orders, uh, self-service checkouts, self-payment mechanics as well. And then sensors can actually analyze the customer's count in stores at a particular point in time. They can track in-store in movement. And as I mentioned last week, they can understand where the hotspots in the store are, which products are generating interest and really get to understand the sales drive behind those products as well. And interestingly, they can also start beginning to understand uh, uh, emotions with, with, within human beings as well. And then the final and fifth point there, Kevin, is, is that robotic customer touch points. And robots in retail have definitely evolved to include welcome robots, robots that track, monitor, and analyze the customer journeys through the store. And, and actually, as we, we joked last week, they, they can include some facial and voice recognition features. And you can, you know, anticipate when the good or the bad customers coming into store. Um, so yeah, I want to end in, in the sort of takeaway points by quoting directly from the article. Robotics, when combined with digital technologies such as analytics, AI, machine learning, has the potential to drive transformation across the entire retail value chain. And that transformation will materialize sooner than one thinks. So, yeah, I mean, Craig, I think the, you know, I, you know, I've mentioned it previously as well, like uh, it's it's an exciting time to be alive, you know, like the, the evolution of how it's changing and it's impacting the world is, and to listen to it, like the information that we shared last week, like it's just, it's, it's, it's incredible to, to be alive at this point in time where you kind of you're literally witnessing evolution take place while we, you know, part of it. It's, it's really awesome. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I, I really, really do appreciate the evolution of the planet at the moment. And obviously, yes, we know the desperate state it is from an environmental point of view and, you know, the, the disregard, uh, you know, on, on, on those factors and, and profit driving everything as opposed to the future of mankind. But the technological advancements, the enablement, or, or those those factors are just something that it, that inspires me immensely. So, Craig, moving on to today's uh, exciting show, um, <clears throat> and uh, I have uh, sort of re-looked at uh, all the stuff that we're going to be looking at today, and uh, a question and a conversation that's quite dear to me, and uh, that I that I get involved with often. <laughs> uh, please share with us uh, what uh, with the listeners what are we going to be discussing today. Great, Kevin. So we're looking at the topic of diversity and inclusion in the workplace. And as, as I mentioned last week, this topic hasn't yet reached into the realm of AIs and robot. Um, yeah, and, and just in, in light of the way we, we keep talking about the need for, for regulatory and you know, good, good AI, good robotics versus bad AI, bad robotics, I think there will be a point in time where the, the principles of inclusion and diversity actually in the broader concept of what they represent actually start moving into the technological arena as well yeah absolutely yeah so yeah a lot a lot to cover on the topic as as expected kevin but before we do this i just want to look at some of the definitions of the two words because there's some really wonderful phrases that that 
that we need to be aware of when we talk about these these two particular words. So the so the first word, or, or at least the first definition that I'm going to look at is is from the Greater Good, Berkeley.edu. And it's published by the, the Greater Good Science Center at the University of California, Berkeley, a great institution. And it states that diversity enhances creativity. It encourages the search for novel innovation and perspectives, leading to better decision-making and problem-solving. Diversity can improve the bottom line of companies and lead to unfettered discoveries and breakthrough innovation. Another great reference, and, and we've actually picked up on some good references from Australia in the past, this time from the Diversity Council Australia, where they state that diversity and inclusion make good business sense because they deliver a range of positive organizational team and individual outcomes. A diverse and inclusive workplace is clearly linked to improved profit and performance, innovation, creativity, talent management, engagement, and well-being. Employers also have legal obligations, importantly, and responsibilities not to discriminate against employers and to take all reasonable steps to prevent discrimination, harassment, victimization, and bullying. And that, that really is an important point. Um, referencing SimmonsResearch.com, which is a specialist business that provides workplace in-house and corporate training materials, and I'm silly, I was quite amazed at the kind of work that these guys have done. From them, we learn that inclusion is noted when Everyone feels they have a voice. Everyone feels they have a voice, hugely important. When they are fully themselves as they work together, that they have influence over decision-making, that they have access to information resources, and finally faces no obstacles to fully participating and contributing. Yeah. A collective of the reference from Kaleidoscope Group, which is a diversity and inclusion consulting business, they tell us the following. Diversity is a variety of abilities, skills, experiences, and cultural backgrounds in all stakeholders. And I like the word stakeholders there because it straddles across from internal, external investors and, and, and um, suppliers and partners to the business as well. Inclusion is to value and leverage differences to achieve superior results. When we create organization or organizational diversity, we create a fully stocked toolkit. When we practice inclusion, we become master craftspeople, building structures capable of standing strong, even when, or especially when the landscape is shifting. And I wanna read that again, because it's a really great phrase. When we create organizational diversity, we create a fully stocked toolkit. When we practice inclusion, we become master craftspeople, building structures capable of standing strong, even when, or especially when the landscape is shifting. And, and really the, the takeout for me then is that if we're not creating that fully stocked toolkit, we're never gonna be able to become those master craftspeople. Um, and, and therefore the organizational diversity construct is, is, is really important to ensure the success moving forward. But in closing on, on, those, on those various definitions, Kevin, it's important to note that diversity is about accepting, acknowledging and understanding that we are all unique individuals. And as with our various conversations on segmentation and, and hyper-targeting in the past, these differences can actually be categorized as race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, social economic status, age, physical abilities, religious beliefs, political beliefs or other ideologies. And, and it's interesting to see very much the same construct of, of definitions 
coming out of marketing and hyper-target segmentation into this, this collective aspect of diversity and uh, inclusion. Craig, yeah, and the reason why I mentioned, like when, when you, you know, hearing it from a definitional perspective, right, as you're explaining to us, um, I always come back to the point that you don't know what you don't know until you know you know. And, you know, when you, you know, when it comes to diversity and inclusion, I think specifically in South Africa, and I'm making a gross generalization, but, um, you know, the consideration that, that people immediately go to race uh, as the, the, the conversation about diversity and inclusion. And yet um, that's a, just a, a one little sex, uh, sort of segment, uh, segment of, of this entire conversation. And I, I'm so glad that we, we're actually pulling it out and having this conversation because uh, it's, it's fantastic to kind of really get the, the crux of what it is and why this is important, which leads me to my question here, like um, giving us such a, a nice sort of overview of this, Craig, um, What roles do these two terms play in business today? And that's, um, I was looking for that. But what, what roles do these two uh, terms play in business today? It's hugely important. Hugely important roles, Kevin. So, yeah, going back to the Diversity Council of Australia, they, they succinctly wrapped it up by noting the following. Diversity is the mix of people in your organization, while inclusion is getting the mix to work. <laughs> and, and just such a simple yeah. statement. And, and if we can get to understand that those simple references actually bring it down to the point that it doesn't have to be these complex, multi-layered, uh, um, super scary kind of concepts that we all go running away from as opposed to coming in and leaning in as those individuals with those various classifications. But I came across a great article that actually addresses that in, in even more detail, Kevin, and it's titled Eight Reasons Why Diversity and Inclusion Are Essential to Business Success. It was published by Bianca Miller-Cole um, to Forbes.com, a, a really great source of information, published on the 15th of, of September last year. And the article opens as follows. Diversity and inclusion are essential in business today as a healthy variety of people from different backgrounds and cultures provides us with a balance of voices and diversity of thought that we need. However, it seems as though many businesses still do not have the healthy balance of different people from different backgrounds working for them. And yeah. what that article clearly does is it positions the fact that diversity and inclusion are actually essential in business and that they definitely have a huge impact on the long and short-term success of that business. Um, yeah. So looking at the, the points in, in detail, Kevin, yeah, as I say, there are eight points, but I'll, I'll just pull out some segments of, of each of those points. Yeah. The first point notes that diversity delivers greater innovation and creativity. So a working environment filled with employees of different backgrounds, skills, uh, experiences, and knowledge means that there will be an increase in innovation, creative ideas, because you're getting the collective input from various uh, uh, points. And second Craig, point, sorry, yes. On that point, on that point though, you know, the, and and I'm so glad that you know creative ideas come up as as a significant point to start on because. What also what people don't realize, and I think that's a, again, it's a generalization we make, is um, you know because I 
and it could be because of our cognitive bias, because of fear, because of so many things, right, that we just generally choose to be doing and uh, connecting with people who I relate to or who I look like or who, who I sound like or who has a similar sort of um, input and intake from where I'm coming from. So I generally go to that space and it's, and, you know, it comes back to self-awareness, like as, as a, le a leadership skill, right? So you really have to start kicking into gear with, with um, if you can uh, use it as a tool, you know, diversity and inclusion is an, is an actual tool that you should be using in business. Um, and I think that's what people are missing. Because when you think of creativity and you think, you know, the, the, the background, the references, the, the approach, the, the, the belief systems, there's so many things to consider that diversity and, you know, the diverse nature of, of what the human race has to offer uh, could be bringing to your business. Yeah, Kevin, ab absolutely. And you talk about the, the, the unbiased aspect as well. You know, we're, we're not taught into that realm at school. We're not yeah. taught into understanding. In fact, diversity and inclusion should actually become academic uh, uh, um, subjects um, at a particular point in time in, in high school. You know, diversity, inclusion, and belonging. The, the DIB, yeah. there, there's, there's something really powerful in, in that. And I think, you know, you need to start shaping the, the educational uh, um, makeup to, to bring that in at a school level so that when you, when you come out and you're going into your first uh, job uh, out, of, out of school or, or, or post-academic study, you, know, you understand the importance of those terms and, and what you can bring to an organization by being part of that diverse set as well. So, so yeah. the, the, the third point there notes that the business will be boosted. So diversity and inclusion are important factors that many people look for when accepting. In fact, I've just mentioned that, that many people look for when accepting a job offer. And, and those that see your business that has people from all backgrounds will definitely be more likely to accept the job with your business as they will feel more welcomed and, and, they, and they know that they'll actually be able to bring something and contribute to that business as well. The fourth yeah. point notes that diversity helps make happier employees. So working in an environment that promotes that diversity and inclusivity makes employees feel happier to work, to, to be at work and to work with. And as we know, when, when you're in that happy state, your contribution actually uh, improves, which then leads into the next point that diversity helps increase productivity. So teamwork and cooperative work helps increase productivity in the business. And the key learning here, Kevin, is, is that diverse teams bring a range of experience and skills to any organization. They allow co-workers co to learn from each other, which in turn helps increase productivity and creates an environment for participation and exchanging of ideas. Point yeah. six notes that diversity can be an advantage in understanding customers better. And this is a, this is a really important point because a diverse and inclusive team uh, has the direct positive benefit for customers is actually the team. The team members are from a broader representation of society and they bring that, that diverse understanding of that broader target audience, thereby helping the business market to that audience more effectively. And when you, when you, Live it, feel it, and art. When you communicate it, you're communicating to the endpoint, which is which is really great. Point seven notes that diversity provides more talent to choose from. Absolutely, quite a quite a simple 
fact, but but really one that's overlooked. A business yeah. that encourages diversity and inclusion will always have more talent to choose from in the marketplace, as it's not about recruiting a certain type of person, Kevin. It's rather focusing on skills that that person brings to the organization. And finally, point eight here reiterates the fact that, that diversity does unlock higher revenues. And it goes without saying that well-managed, diverse and inclusive workforce will lead to higher revenues as employers are happier in their job roles, as you mentioned. New ideas flow more freely, as we mentioned, and productivity increases, as we mentioned. So more importantly there, it's the positive impact on the culture of the organization, which has, as we know, definitely has a positive impact on the bottom line of any business, Kevin. So, yeah, as, as you can hear, diversity inclusion is an essential requirement for all businesses, fact. And, you know, and to that point, Craig, um, I come from like a, a gay man's perspective. You know, when you're walking into a business and you know that, that the, the business is gay-friendly, you kind of feel at home. You feel, I feel at home. I feel like, oh, this is, a, this is an okay space for me. But I've been in, a, in an environment where you in businesses working with people where you know that that's, uh, there, there, there might be a, a problem because I'm gay, you know. Um, and that's why, you know, having a conversation like this is so important because you kind of go, can you imagine in every moment where someone is different than the person they, they're going to work with or their supplier or their, uh, the, you know, their business partners or, and in every moment that you might be different in some way, um, the person who's different, the one who stands out, the one who, who's excluded or seemed to be excluded, um, always has this questioning happening in the back of their minds. So, you know, the moment you are in an environment where it is diverse and it's inclusive and you kind of go, no, I welcome you. I welcome you with all your differences and all your, the, your inputs and your knowledge and your, uh, your, your opinions. Suddenly, the, the, purely based on the fact that you're having that approach to your business, mm -hmm. that's where the thriving happens, right? That's where it becomes like, oh, wow. And that's, and I think that's what people very often miss when they, they're not really thinking that this is an actual tool that business should be using. And yeah, you make such a good point there, Kevin. You know, I, it, it must be quite challenging for you times where you've probably come up against, um, some leaders are quite homophobic or traditional and, and you know, you're, you're the one that's, that's been appointed to work with them to take the, the business into the future, to actually be the deliverer of all of this, but them and themselves actually haven't got to understand the concept. And, and that must be quite difficult. Absolutely. And, you know, when you, when you get to the crux of what, 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 uh, what it, where it's stemming from, it's usually fear, fear of the unknown or fear of myself questioning me uh, and how I am and who I am in the world. Um, and, you know, when you kind of go, actually, just on the other side of fear, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's waiting for you to, to be realized. And, uh, you know, where you could be thriving, where you just, instead of just holding on to the fear of it, you know, it's, just, it's, it's, it's such an important conversation to have. But, Craig, so while you've used both those terms, diversity and inclusion, at times with the examples referenced, this is a general bias to the concept of diversity. With that said, do you, do you have more you can share with us on the topic of inclusion? Yeah, that's actually, it's a perfect time to ask that question because it really plays into what you've just described, you know, 
Um, so yeah, good point. And and even though the words are often combined as a single talking point, Kevin, there's definitely a distinct difference between the two. Uh, a great article published by by Frederick A. Miller and Judith H. Katz titled "Inclusion: What It Is and Is Not," and it provides a really simple, effective, and simple explanation of the term. So let me quote from the opening paragraph here. It's rare to come across an organization that does not have an inclusion statement or some internal effort related to inclusion. Many organizations see inclusion having a broader meaning as a platform for higher organizational performance and understand that they simply cannot afford to ignore inclusion. In more progressive organizations, Kevin, inclusion has been implemented as a path to competitive advantage, which we all know. A central business strategy that accelerates organizational performance does build stronger connection with the organization's members and with its customers, and it definitely produces superior bottom line performance. But, but even in those organizations, uh, inclusion efforts can be hindered by misconceptions. Um, the the with with the thought that inclusion is is solely a nice thing to do and that's separate from the core operations and performance of the business. So, yeah. looking at the ten points, we can quite easily see how easy it is to achieve. So, inclusion is asking for input from the people affected and having the right people doing the right work at the right time. It is not involving everyone in everything. <laughs> inclusion is a way to accomplish the mission, the strategies, and goals of the organization. It is not an end in itself with no mission-related direction. Yeah. Inclusion is a way of hearing, valuing, and leveraging people's differences to create breakthrough. It is not working with people who are different for the sake of it, i.e. it is not diversity for diversity's sake. Yeah. Inclusion is supporting all people to do their best work and to continuously improve on it. It is not sacrificing productivity or overlooking performance. Inclusion is building partnerships focused on work outcomes. It is not focusing on the relationship at the expense of the task. And finally, inclusion is a two-way street. It is not individuals not taking accountability for actually including themselves. And, and this is an important point because you've got to mm. lean in. You've got to make yeah. yourself available to be part of that process. So, so with such a concise and, and easy framework to, to remember, Kevin, there's absolutely no reason why businesses shouldn't embrace this topic and shouldn't embed it as a core to their principle of, of people strategy. And I, and I really want to close with a great sentence that sums, sums up the term. Inclusion is better understood as a process, as a means to an end, as a how, not as an end in itself. Yeah. And I love, you know, diversity for diversity, uh, diversity's sake. You know, like, that's not the point. <laughs> it's not a case of just going, oh, well, you know, we're doing what, what we were told to do and uh, we, we stick it to the rules. Like that's not the point. You're you're missing the whole point of why diversity and inclusion is so important. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's yes, it's not it's not just meeting a number on a valuation sheet that allows your business to do business with somebody else. It actually it's much deeper than that. And 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 there are just too many businesses that haven't even begun to scratch the surface of that real 
meaning and understanding and the, and and the potential value that they can unlock for the people for themselves for their business and for their customers absolutely yeah yeah. Okay, so one of the one of the key points I, uh, I touch on when uh, you know I deliver leadership coaching uh, is to ensure that leaders and HR representatives uh, that work with clearly understanding the diversity in workplaces entirely depending on having a well entrenched inclusive work culture in place. So um, as we've now got to understand the impact of diversity and inclusion has on business and the workplace, how, how do organizations go about implementing these concepts and entrenching that inclusive work culture that, I, that I'm referencing? Yeah, work, work culture, absolutely. And, and yeah, you can see how diversity and inclusion actually play the, the foundational role of, of setting work culture. And when you get that right, you definitely in, in the good position to, to start creating the strength of that work culture. So the, the, the question in itself, we could probably run uh, an entire series for a week just focusing on, 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 on that topic and trying to formulate the best, best process. But, but definitely, you know, with a deep understanding of inclusion and, and, and diversity, there's no reason why when you start implementing those, you're not going to get to a point where, you'll start developing the framework for, a, for a, a good, inclusive work culture. But but there are a few steps that can be applied when taking this topic uh, forward, Kevin. And, and some of these are covered in the article, how to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion in, in, in the workplace. So public, published on Ceridian, um, ceridian.com, a global human capital management software company located in, in the USA. The article provides some really simple steps to achieve this. And the website also contains a great paragraph that, devise, that, that defines what diversity inclusion means for, for their business. And it was really wonderful to see that they obviously practicing what they preach. So, so let, me, let me pick up on that. At Ceridian, we define diversity as a measure of difference in identity, like gender, ethnicity, age, sexual orientation, ability, or religion. Inclusion is a respect for and appreciation of these differences, the deliberate act of welcoming and valuing diversity and equity. And when you go deeper into their business and you look at the tonality of, of how they say and what they say, it plays into that particular last point where it is the respect for and appreciation of those differences. And it's a deliberate act of welcoming and valuing diversity and, and equity in their business. But what I really appreciate about it is, is, that it's intentional and meaningful. It's not just words on a page. And, it, and as I say, it goes deep into the website, it goes deep into their thinking. And that in itself is probably why they're so successful and have delivered so many great programs because they are practicing what they preach into their client's environment as well. Craig, you know, it makes me think of like from a coaching perspective, when you, when you certify as a coach, and you probably know this, that, you know, you, Part of your training, part of um, working with people, you have to bring yourself to the space and to the moment, to that person's conversation and to that engagement as a clear slate, as a clean slate. You know, so you have to come there and they often refer to it as um, clear the screen. Like so you, you, in, you instinctively make an assumption, you make assumptions, you just meet someone or you, you're interviewing someone. And your brain instinctively goes and has its own biases. It has its own decision-making processes. And you kind of go, the moment you get there, you're going to go clear the screen. 
you literally have to get to a point where you're actually not there in judgment of it whatsoever and you're experiencing it for what it is. Um, and I think that's part of, you know, like that deliberate intention and, and being intentional with that meaning. It's, it's so important. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love it because that, that is it. If, you, if you're not coming with the intention to participate and be meaningful, you just shouldn't yeah. show up actually because it's <laughs> going to be destructive in all honesty. Oprah, yeah. Craig, Oprah Winfrey says, you are 100% responsible for the energy you bring into this space right now. And I'm like, I always remember that, you know, you're 100% so, so, responsible oh, for that. Love, love that because, because when, when we get onto this topic and if you try and put a song to that statement, okay, yeah. I have a particular song that is my mantra for wherever I go in life. And it's crowded house. And the words are, wherever you go, always take the weather with you. And if you're oh, going to wow. pitch up with a thunderstorm, believe me, you're not going to have a sunny day in that meeting. And, and if, you, if you're able to take the sunshine with you and manage yeah. your day accordingly, your life's going to be so much better. The net net result is going to be so much better for you, those around you, what the intention was that you went there for. Definitely. So Absolutely. yeah, I, I, I like that. Let me, let me touch on the points noted in the article, Kevin. So sorry, sorry, yeah, no, 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 no. It's great. Um, point one is a topic that you often refer to Kevin and, and you've touched on it. That's why I smiled earlier on when you started talking about uh, be aware of unconscious bias. Yeah. Understanding bias and building awareness is a vitally important first step towards change. And whilst there are different forms of bias, the unconscious bias can include associations or feelings of bias that actually may be hidden under the surface, or or they are biases that we don't even necessarily that don't necessarily align with with our particular conscious beliefs. So. Leaders can definitely employ understanding and build awareness of unconscious bias within their organizations by, by encouraging every single employee to review, question, analyze their own personal biases and assumptions and actually clean the screen. I, I'm, I'm going to use, use, use that statement from you. Yeah. And to so, add, Craig, there's about 175, over 175 different biases that we have at any given time. We just function from them. Um, that that we're aware of, you know. So psychology shows it that we're aware of over 175 different types of biases. Um, so oh, wow, and that's a lot. And 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 that's to a large degree predominantly informed by experiences and 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 um, memory of 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 experiences. Hey, Kevin. Yeah. So you know, part of your uh, your brain is designed to keep you safe, right? So. Part of, your, part of how you set up uh, decision-making processes is your brain's way of just gauging the world and identifying who I am and how I am in the world. Um, and our biases do that based on the fact that it's a normal thing that your brain does and it's a, a complete normal process. And because you're doing that, um, you'll, you'll have, you know, the, the common one that people know of is your, co uh, your confirmation bias. Um, your bandwagon effect, your halo effect. And um, very often the, these types of biases, very, they show up very obviously, and that's why they use them often. Um, but when we are not aware of them, we instinctively make decisions based on them. And we don't even realize why we made, why we, 
we, we obviously chose that based on the fact that we're not aware of the bias that we hold quite strongly. Yeah, that's 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 good point because it goes back to that that sentence that states that you know, oh, uh, um, hidden under the surface, or biases yeah. that do not necessarily align with our conscious beliefs. So as you say, we don't even know that that we're yeah. Gosh, okay. okay. So so point two is is communicate the importance of managing bias. Um, cultural humility is another way that leaders and employees can manage bias um, and foster the more inclusive environments. Um, this concept involves uh, remaining curious and humble about cultural differences. And, and internal bias training is an effective way to inspire change and, and a higher understanding amongst employees. Yeah. Point three is promote pay equity. Yeah, a vitally important conversation in, in, in the current world we live in, particularly coming out of COVID, um, you know, the, the long tail of COVID. Uh, a lot of people losing jobs, pay cuts and things like that, a, a really tough one. So managers must level out the playing field and provide fair opportunity for each employee. And organizations can definitely leverage analytics to identify which, which employees are underpaid or which roles specifically are underpaid. And then within those groups of, of employees, whether they're people of color, whatever it may be, is, is that get to understand why they're underpaid and focus within those areas of the business to bring that balance to bear. Yeah. Point four talks about developing a strategic training program, something that you're well, well familiar with. Diversity training helps employees understand how cultural differences can impact how people work and interact at work. And it can also cover anything from the concepts of time and communication styles to self-identity and dealing with conflict. And, and communication styles, I think, is something that that is just not touched on enough in organizations either, Kevin, because again, going back to the point I made earlier about, you know, your unconscious bias probably comes from a lot of what you've learned in life. There are a lot of folk who come into businesses who are shy, reserved, and afraid. And, and you know, you've got to be able to move them past that point so that they can actually participate and interact and, and feel that they're contributing and start building their own self-identity to, to deal with that conflict. So the company should focus on, on, on training that's relevant to the specific organization and the employees and, and ensure that it aligns with the broader diversity, with the equity and inclusion initiatives and, and uh, uh, identify challenges for those individuals and respective groups within the organization. Point five, yes. On the point of training, uh, absolutely, it's essential. Uh, um, and with that, there has to be an action plan because, you know, coming back to your biases, you kind of go when you're going on the training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know we know about diversity. We know about we have to like be more cognizant of people and where it really kicks into gear is like, OK, cool. Now that you know what is the action you're going to be taking as the leader of this environment and suddenly you're hound, ha held accountable to how informative you are or inform uh, how informing you are about the training you've received and i think a lot of people kind of go on the training and they're like yeah you yeah, know we've had that kind of training it's like okay but what are you doing about it and that's i think also quite quite uh, important yeah so so definitely that that must then be written into the kpis of of that individual plus the business group plus the business as a whole yeah. because it is. It's a continuum, and it's a it's a wonderful uh, iterative process where, it, you know, if it's not getting better with with 
use an application, use an application, gosh, then there's definitely a problem in that environment, whether it is an individual again or a business unit or a business as a whole, very much so. Yeah. Point five, a nice simple one, just recommends acknowledging holidays of all cultures. And it's one way to build awareness is, is to foster greater inclusivity, be aware of, of, of the full spectrum of religious and cultural holidays across staff. And, and it's yeah. always a difficult conversation in South Africa because we have so many public holidays as it is already. And when you start bringing in the acknowledgement of the diversity across all religions and, and cultural groupings, you know, we'll probably end up celebrating more than we are at work, actually. So, you know, <laughs> where, where, where is that fine balance? And then again, there's always yeah. the, the hot topic of saying, you know, whilst you declare yourself as a Christian-based society, you're getting more of the Christian-based holidays declared as national holidays. Um, and, and yeah, that, that, is a, that is a difficult one to overcome. But definitely be respectful. Yeah, sorry, Kevin. Oh, sorry, Greg, but also just acknowledging, you know, just the acknowledgement of the fact that there is this holiday for those people and that's something they celebrate. Just having the acknowledgement, you know, like building the acknowledgement and the awareness is so important. And, and, and when you have that acknowledgement and awareness, you'll understand the needs of those individuals relative to their cultural groupings and, and cultural positions and build that flexibility into your business. Yeah. Point, point six suggests making it easy for staff to participate in employee resource groups. Now, employees can leverage those, those resource groups as an opportunity to actually grow and develop talent. Uh, and managers can definitely learn from these groups. And, and, and the importance is to create a safe place for, for, for the employees. The employee resource groups also help build a culture of connection and belonging and making it easy for employees to participate in initiatives or projects uh, that are group focused. Point seven suggests mixing up the teams. And this is, this is really a, a great one. And I, I often have adopted this approach when working at exec level for, for workshops across the marketing communication spectrum is you, know, you, you get everybody who migrates to the table with their mates and, they, and they've got the feel safe factor around the table and they try and dodge questions and things like that. And it's just get everyone to sit down and then you just give them the numbers and then you make table one, everybody with table one, table two, everybody with number two, and you just mix up that team. And, and yeah, you, you definitely get clarity of diversity in, in understanding and learning from different voices, different people, different experiences, different values and different cultures. So it's important to actually construct your teams in an organization around that principle as well. And that diverse cross-section of talent allows enhanced perspectives, which definitely lead to more creativity again, and as we know, in the back of more creativity, more productivity and, and, and better bottom line. But if, if the team is fairly homogenous, invite someone from a different gender, different cultural background or age to come into that and, and, and really get them in either, either to lead a project or to initiate a project, then you'll, you'll definitely get a very different output from that. And to quote the yeah. article, diversity in teams positively impacts creativity and innovation. And the case for inclusive cultures only growing stronger. So there's value and experience of multiple perspectives, which inspires novel thinking, connecting thoughts in new ways, and different approaches to, to the actual problem solving. 
the last point of, of, of that, and in fact, sorry, we've got three more to go. The, the next point here is facilitating ongoing feedback. Um, it's important for people to share their feedback, gain a better understanding of what's, what's going on under the surface, and then implementing a pulse survey, definitely quick and easy to develop and implement across an organization. And it definitely will give you that litmus test of the insights required to help you make smarter decisions to reduce any patterns of, of, of discrimination or bias, and then, and then work with the organizations to close those out. Um, anonymous feedback via the employee uh, pulse survey can also help build a case to take immediate action on, on some immediate, more smaller pressing issues that, that need correction now because they could have some negative long-term effects on, on, on the business. Point yeah. nine suggests assessing company policies. And quite nice here is that coming out of point eight into point nine, incredibly important is employees need to rethink their policies because they can definitely, you know, there are policies in some businesses that support negative behavior, that, that turn a blind eye, I should say, not necessarily support, but turn a blind eye to negative behavior. And, and if you can replace those negative processes, interactions with more positive ones, that's, that's where you need to be going. So the leaders first need to determine whether those policies are, are good for the business or if they actually do perpetuate discrimination, racism, sexism, whatever it may be, they therefore really need to, to get around the table and actually replace those and create a more equitable workplace. So true workplace flexibility should provide every employee with the opportunity to work fairly and equitably whether they're on-site, in the office, or working at home. Facilitating flexibility for all employees helps to establish a more equitable and inclusive culture across the organization. And Kevin, there's a point we've touched on a few times as well, because coming out of the work-from-home example that, that the world's been in for the last 18 months to two years, um, the, the, the big challenge there has been the breakdown of inclusive culture across the organization and a fragmentation of any sense of workplace culture that did exist. So when people are not present, it absolutely works on eroding uh, a workplace culture just because that's the way it was constructed from, from the get-go. And I think you, you will know more than anyone that I think there's probably a lot of learning going on in the background to redefine what the, what the new workplace culture construct and frameworks will look like coming out of part-time work, total remote work, yeah, what, whatever that mix looks like. Yeah. Uh, Craig, I mean, also, you know, like uh, some of the processes and policies that's, that, uh, you know, from being, in the, you know, doing the work that I do, I know that like corporates don't necessarily have a process. Management, when they, you know, looking for a, a new person in their team, they're not, they're not even sure what, how to be inclusive or diverse about who they're employing. Right, so there's no mechanism, there's no check way through. There's very seldomly there is, and you know, policies and procedures don't even bring awareness to. Okay, cool. So yeah, you need a new team member, but are they are they are you considering these aspects about getting a new team member? So yeah, I mean, policies and procedures are, are you know really really important when it comes to to implementing this. Surely, surely there's an opportunity in the market in South Africa for boutique agencies who really understand how to create the perfect balance of a diverse and inclusive organization in South Africa to step into the market and work with leaders, leadership coaches like yourself to bring that reality to, to the fore much quicker. 
Well, and that's that's one of the conversations. Is a case of saying, you know, you're working with big corporates, you're working with with uh, with businesses that make these decisions all the time. Why is this not part of the the HR process or the recruitment process? There's an absolute obvious, uh, you know, consideration, um, and it's not just a, a, a race situation, you know, because very, you know, that's the history of where we come from. It's it's we understand that. But how do we then, how do we move from here? We're here now. How do we move from here to really uh, taking a stance in kind of going, how do we actually do this diversity and inclusion thing uh, and effectively doing it so that, you know, it looks, um, it looks like, uh, you know, the country that's led uh, in that kind of fashion, you know, and I think business, someone mentioned today, you know, businesses often show, showcase, you know, what is happening in the country. I'm like, yeah, that's that's true because you know you, you don't see it as as relevant and well thought over as as it should be. And that that's why when I mentioned earlier the tick box, you know, what does your employment equity framework look like? That's the easy tick box because <laughs> you know you're defaulting to the racial construct of what the workforce looks like, but actually that's nowhere near what diversity inclusion should be. Hundred percent, Kevin. So, yeah. so finally, in point 10, it, it, it recommends tracking progress over the extended period of time. And, and, and I think it's quite important based on the two points we made now as well, because diversity, equity, inclusion efforts aren't overnight success stories. It, it definitely, that cultural shift takes time. It means organizations need to set new benchmarks. They need to track their progress and they need to assess how their efforts are panning out and if they're actually moving the needle at all. And, and, you know, we, we really need to ensure that, that the leaders know what strategies they're working with, which ones are failing uh, and falling short, and, and then actually hold them accountable to being the drivers of reaching the, the, the long-term goals of the business. So, yeah, to, to close off on that point, Kevin, the team responsible for designing, implementing, and managing the diversity, inclusion, and belonging aspects are are available five six seven simple steps here let me take you through that assess identify why diversity and inclusion is important to your company's success point two is just listen ask employees to share their perceptions through those confidential surveys that we spoke about and and use that to understand the experience across the different employees in in, in the organization third point is understand just seek to understand what's working and not working based on the employee feedback and identify what you need to to do to improve it it's quite a simple process act share the feedback across levels and identify the action item you mentioned that early on you've got to identify what the actions are otherwise the business is not going to move forward and then you need to coach leaders on how to actually be more inclusive in their practices to ensure that those actions can be delivered and then the final point is just be accountable hold leaders accountable to follow through on the initiatives to check in with the people and to ask for feedback regularly measure the progress recognize repeat and I, I mentioned earlier that iterative process and if you're not if you're not able to dial the needle through that iterative process then you seriously have an issue in your organization so okay i mean wrapping up today's points what are we what do we how do we wrap up today for the listeners and and what are those key takeaways kevin a really simple chart and article that i came across titled top 10 benefits of diversity in the in the workplace written by anya Zocheska, um, published to Talent Lift, lovely site, um, on the 19th of December 2019. And, and just to open with, with the statement, there's diversity in the workplace is a direct and tangible benefit for any organization that 
companies who have greater workplace diversity outperform their competitors, increase employee engagement, and achieve higher profits. So here are the 10 points. So really, the, the, the first one is the benefit of diversity in the workplace is workplace diversity is around perspective. The variety of different perspectives from employees with different backgrounds bring that diversity to the business. Point two is increased creativity. Your company becomes a melting pot of new, fresh ideas. Lovely phrase. Point three is more innovations. Different backgrounds and ideas spark innovation. Obvious. Increased profits, yeah. point four. Creative, diverse work workforce brings financial benefits. Point five, higher engagement. Employees who feel appreciated become more engaged in the workforce. Point six, better decision-making. More potential solutions increase decision-making within the team. Point seven is employee turnover. By having employees feeling accepted and valued, you'll decrease the turnover. Point eight is better reputation. Good human social responsibility companies build stronger reputation. And we've picked up on that in, 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 in a recent uh, discussion. Point nine is hiring results. Strong reputation employee brands turn companies into desirable places to work. And then finally, problem solving. Diverse solutions can definitely bring the best results faster to an organization. So yeah, taking those points into account, Kevin, it goes, goes without saying that an awareness on diversity inclusion definitely increases proper business ethics, decreases financial and reputation risk for the business, as simple as that. Yeah. Craig, thank you. Thank you for a fantastic conversation. Thank you for sharing all that input and that knowledge with us. Uh, I absolutely love it. As you can hear, I get all like caught up in it. <laughs> Craig, what do we have for next uh, next week's show? Yeah, Kevin, um, I, I want to continue on, on this thread of, of thinking. Um, there's just such a rich collection of, of content that, that I can share with our listeners. So what I want to look at next week is is continued diversity inclusion, but I actually want to look at specifically the advertising industry and how it's addressing this need and, and what the key brands are doing in, in actually highlighting the conversation and showcasing their commitment to building a totally inclusive and, and diverse world where their brands actually matter. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Craig. And uh, that's the Lunchtime Marketing segment every Thursday at 12, guys, on ebusradio.com. Uh, Craig, thank you for, for today and uh, chat to you soon. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, I look forward to next week. Cheers for now. Thanks.